than today. It's a special day. Look to your neighbor, tell them, it's special. It's special. It's special. It's an inaugural first for us today. This is a milestone special day that we have been excited for, for, I don't know, like a year maybe. Actually, this has been in the back of One Seed's mind for about five years, and it's finally come. I am here today to share with you a special guest. I am so excited. I thought I could just talk for 30 minutes about how awesome and special our guest is, but he's got a message to share. And before we call him up, I just want to give you a brief word of how we met. We launched in January 2019, 2018, and by January 1st, 2019, I kind of feel like I had just had a surgery and I was in, I was like in drug mode. And I remember laying in my bed on Instagram and I messaged Pastor Kevin Gerald of the Champion Center in Washington because Pastor Kevin has a connection back to St. Louis and some relatives. And at that time, we were looking for guidance on how to build strong teams, strong leaders. And we were, we were trying to figure it out. We're still figuring things out here at One Seed, but we were trying to take the next step as a church. And so he connected me with two people all the way from Washington. One was Pastor Brandon, who you're gonna meet in a moment. And one was Pastor Dan Lord down in Peevely. And I'll never forget that because they have stuck by our side. Pastor Dan is going to be dedicating our building when we have our official grand opening. And Pastor Brandon is here today, three and a half years later. God is doing something. Pastor Brandon is the founder of a ministry called Leading Second. Leading Second. It is a ministry called to empower the local church through strong teams. Everybody make a muscle like this. Strong teams. No team, no success. No team, no reach the lost. You got to have a team, people. And he, and through that, we, he's building strong leaders through his ministry, empowering the local church to do it together to move church forward. He is also the director of the Team Church Conference out of the Champion Center Church in Tacoma, Washington, which One Seat Church has taken a part of back in August 2019. Back then we had a Cameron and a Nick who are no longer here today. They're, they're on this earth. They're just not with the church anymore. But they were with us and we went out and saw those beautiful mountains and all the coffee shops and we're like, man, let's move. No, we didn't, we didn't want to move forever, but it was awesome. Since you're on your feet, I thought it'd be a good time to give your loudest one seed praise and clap and celebration for our guest today. Give it up for my friend, Pastor Brandon Stewart. Thank you. Good morning, 1C Church. How are we today? Is it okay if you stay standing for just a minute? Anybody thankful for this house, for this church, for what God is doing here? Um, I counted a really high honor uh, to be here today. You're right. We're, we're longtime Instagram um, friends. I kind of like to think of Instagram more like stalking because I'm looking at you. You don't know I'm looking at you, you know, is, is, is that's really what it is. But um, I, I've, I admire uh, your pastors so much because how many of you know it, it takes something to step out in faith and believe God that there's a work that God wants to do in a community. Like it takes, it takes faith. It's to, to get to, to make an investment into a church in its earliest days, in its most formative days. I just hope you realize today, I, I consider that an incredible honor because I believe the, the, the harvest of a seed sown in this season and in this moment could be incredible. Uh, but back to your pastors, I, you know, any couple that's willing to step out, leave comfort, leave security, take on risk, all in faith, all in the belief that God, there's something God wants to do. There's people God wants to reach. There's work for us to do for the kingdom. I just want the, the, the two of you to know, your family to know, you have my highest honor. I, I, I'm so thankful uh, to you that God, um, not God put his hand on you and called you, but that you said yes. 
and that you've inconvenienced yourself and you've given and you've sown. And how many of you know you are so blessed to have pastors Jeff and Michelle as your pastors, as your leaders. Thank you all so much for, for building. And um, I, I count it a really high honor, like I said, to get to make an investment in the church in, in this season and in this moment. And I like your digs, by the way. I haven't had a chance to minister much mid-construction. This is incredible. If this isn't a picture of the future, I don't know what is. Like, like, a, like a room full of faith, just like we're, we're setting up shop because it's not about, um, it's not about sheetrock. It's not about sound systems. It's not about plumbing. It's not, it's not about any of that. It's about what God wants to do in this space in broken hearts that desperately need to know the gospel, that def- desperately need to know the love of God. Amen. One more question I have for you today, for this morning. Are you thankful for the Word of God? Do do you love the Word? Are you ready for the Word this morning? Um, I haven't quite figured out a lifetime in church, and I haven't figured out how it works. But what I know with confidence today is when we open these pages and read from them, things change. Stories are completely rewritten. The future is spoken to. Jesus, his kingdom comes, his will is done. And I may not know your name, your story, your background, what you brought in here today, but I know Jesus and I know his story. And I have a confidence about me to say that his story is enough for your story today and that there's hope in these pages today. And if it's okay with you, I am going to treat us all like we're on the team today. Is that okay? I, you know, you might be newer. Uh, you might be still kicking the tires. <laughs> you know, you might be still figuring out this whole church thing. That's good. For today, only every single person's on the team. And, and the reason I say that is I love the church so much. I, I have a deep, deep, deep love for God's house and building God's house and seeing God's house move forward. In fact, that's what my family has given our lives to do is loving and strengthening and building the house of God anywhere that we have opportunity to go. And um, I believe in what can happen when a team comes together with a vision and how God can use a team. So if it's okay today, we're going to have a team meeting and we're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about building the church. And um, you might be here today thinking, man, I'm just still kind of figuring this thing out. That's okay. Just hang with me today. But I believe if God's calling you here and God's drawing you here, I believe there's a work that he wants to do in your life and in your heart today as we center around his church. Amen. Will you join me today? Would anyone who's comfortable, would you just lift up your hands to heaven? Can we just prepare our hearts for the word today? Jesus, 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 King Jesus, I sense your presence in this house. I sense your presence in this room, this room, Father, um, that represents faith, that represents the future, this room, Jesus, that represents something we're building, um, not to build a building, but we're building it for you, Jesus a house for you, a place, Jesus, we want you to come and we want you to move and we want you to heal. God, I thank you for this incredible group of people that you're assembling, this army that you're assembling here today. God, right now we open up our lives to your word. I thank you for your word. We love your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It's a blueprint to build from today. I have confidence in your word. I believe that when your word goes forth, it accomplishes its work. And I ask that you would do that today. I ask that you would move afresh in every heart, in every life today. Jesus, anything that's out of alignment in our hearts, in our lives, I ask today right now that you'd bring things back into alignment. I ask that you would come and that you would have your way, that you would do what only you can do in this space, in this season, in this moment, in the life of One Seed Church. And we will be so careful, Jesus, to give you all the praise and to give you all the glory because this is all for you today. This is not to build a cool church. <laughs> this is not to build an Instagrammable church. God, that's all wood, hay, and stubble. We, we, we just want you. We want your kingdom. We want your ways. We want your truth. We, 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 we want to see your church strong and healthy. And that's why we've gathered here today, Lord. So we love you. We thank you for the work you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen.
Amen. All right. Take your seats if you would. Thank you for the romantic music. I appreciate it today. Well, like I said, it is an honor to be with you. My name is Brandon Stewart. I am from the Seattle area. You're welcome for the rain this morning. That's what we wake up to every Sunday. Uh, So I just give you a little bit of that today. Um, I've been married for uh, just shy of 18 years. I think it's next week. Uh, 18 years uh, to my wife, Lindsay, the love of my life. Uh, We have two girls. Uh, One is 11. I had no idea, by the way, that an 11-year-old girl is a teenager. Like, no one prepared me for what this last year uh, has been. If you're looking for, like, a target for an upcoming, like, prayer and fast, would you just sign me up? Uh, Help us come against (laughs) the spirit of, like, moodiness uh, in our house or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, She's great. Girl loves God with all her heart. Baptized about a year ago. Um, But help us. God help us. Amen. Uh, And then because we don't know how to plan, uh, we had a COVID not oops, we had a COVID surprise. I guess when you travel pre-COVID 250 days a year and then you stay home for eight months, I don't know what happens, but I guess you get pregnant is what happens. I uh, haven't quite figured out how that happened yet, but uh, God blessed us uh, surprisingly at 40 uh, with a baby, and it was it, she was not on the plan, and yet uh, I came home from my first post-COVID ministry trip, follow 2020, to find out uh, we were pregnant. And then apparently, because we don't do anything that's not dramatic, um, our daughter, her name is Glow, our youngest, uh, she was born three months early, and uh, which was, uh, it was an emergency situation, an emergency delivery. It was Easter evening in, in uh, 2021. We got rushed to the hospital and uh, 48 hours there, she was born three months early. Uh, we spent about 50 days in uh, the NICU. She was born um, at about three pounds with a whole list of complications and, and things going on with her brain bleed, hole in her lung, uh, E. coli infection, just the works. But uh, Jesus was so faithful. Jesus was, he touched her body. He healed her body. And 51 days later, we came home. And today, uh, she is healthy, thriving, full of life, and um, now on the verge of walking. Again, God help us. Teenager, toddler, Pray for me in Jesus' name. Okay, uh, let's, let's talk about the Word of God today. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm chapter 84. Psalm chapter 84. Um, as I said when we were standing a minute ago, I love God's church. I believe there is nothing on planet Earth like the local church. There is no greater community on planet Earth than the local church I believe that um, the church is imperfect. I believe it has its flaws, and that's because I showed up today, and that's because you showed up today. But isn't it the beauty of the gospel that Jesus takes imperfect people and accomplishes his perfect purpose? And so I firmly believe, I firmly believe that the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Like the church is God's vehicle. It is his body. It says in the book of Ephesians, his, uh, we are Christ's body. And um, it's the vehicle that he's using to establish his kingdom and to see his will accomplished. And so by being a part of the church, by being in church today, I, I just believe there's nothing you can do in your life that positions you to be more like Christ than loving what he loves and building what he builds. Jesus uh, said that, it says in the word that he loves the church, that he gave his life up for the church. It also says in the word that, that uh, he is building his church. He looked at his disciples one day and said, on this rock, I will build my church. In fact, we kind of live in a season where it's really trendy. It's really popular to take pot shots at the church on TikTok or on social media and I don't know about you, I don't want to be found tearing down the thing that Jesus is building up. Like, I don't want to be found apathetic or lethargic about the thing that Jesus loves and gave his life for. 
which is the church. So today we're going to talk about the church. I find it incredibly fitting we're, we're in a room that really represents the future and what we're building and what we're believing God to do. And just receive this word today as a deposit into that. Let's go to Psalm chapter 84 and verse 10. The writer here starts us off by saying this, better is one day. Everyone say one day. Come on, say it again. Say one day. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day. I want to I stop there for just a minute because I believe that one day can change everything. One day can change everything. One day in God's house. One day in God's presence, the writer is saying here, is better than a thousand elsewhere. How many of you know one day in the church, one day in God's presence can change everything in your life? We all have a moment in our lives that serve as a one-day experience. You know, there's a lot of things that you do every day. Pretty much every day I find myself going and buying a cup of coffee. And there is nothing notable about that activity in my life anymore. It's usually about three times a day, actually, if I'm honest with you. Uh, you know, every day I, I um, drink a glass of water. Like, like every day I do certain things. And those things are not notable. Those things are just routine. They are normal. They happen every day. But every once in a while, you find yourself in a situation where you're doing something that represents a one-day moment. Like this day matters. And one day, the writer says, in God's house is better than a thousand elsewhere. In other words, we all have a one-day moment with Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, there's most likely a day where you can point back to and say, that's the day that changed everything. That, that's the day where the everyday made way for a one-day. How many of you have that moment with Christ where you can look back and say, like, that's the day. I remember being baptized. I remember making decisions for Christ. I remember making decisions to serve. I remember moments where I wanted to quit, but choosing to stay planted and stay in the house of God. One day changes everything. Here's the challenge in church life, though. We must never become um, desensitized to the power of what one day means. We must never get so used to this thing and so accustomed to doing church that we forget that what is every day to us could be one day to the person coming in who's far from God who desperately needs Jesus. I mean, I've been in church for 40 years. I mean, I've done this, I don't know the math, is it thousands of times, tens of thousands of times I've been in church? You know, let's be honest, it comes around every seven days. It can feel a little normal, like buying a cup of coffee. It can feel a little usual. It's, you know, it's, it's Sunday. It's what we do. I just wanted to remind you that to people that come in to One Seed Church on a Sunday who are broken, who are hurting, who desperately need something from God, um, Sundays don't represent every day. They represent one day. They represent the one day that could change everything. And we must never get so used to this thing. We must never get so, um, so accustomed to this that we lose the awe and we lose the wonder of the fact that we get to be a part of building the thing that changes everything in people's lives, the house of God. Do you believe that today? The Bible says better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. What an incredible privilege we get to build that. But then the writer goes on, and this is where I want to camp out today. The writer is saying, I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For our time together, I want to talk to us today about doorkeepers. Doorkeepers. A couple years back, I had an experience that I, I won't forget. 
Uh, I was on the road. It was my first ministry trip I had ever taken. I guess this is probably like a decade ago now. I've been telling this story a while. Um, it was on my first ministry trip, so I was finally kind of getting out of my hometown. God was birthing through us a new ministry, and um, found myself in Houston, Texas. I was with a friend. Uh, we had the night off, and so we were we were kind of in this area, um, hanging out, going different places, and. My friend's uh, fiance, her um, family owned some cupcake shops. And he's like, I want to go check out one of her competitors, one of their competitors. I was like, great, let's go. I got my sleuth hat on, you know. So we went to this store. I didn't know it was a chain in the Pacific Northwest. We get like no chain restaurants ever. So I had no idea it was actually like, like available a lot of places. But we went into this, this um, shop called Nothing Bunt Cakes. Has anybody ever been to Nothing Bunt Cakes? Anybody know what a bunt cake is? Like it's that, that like cake that grandma makes, you know, that like brings to family stuff. They sell little ones. Anyways, God is doing an incredible work at Nothing Bunt Cakes. Let's just say that today. One of my favorite places to have dessert anywhere. Well, this is my first time going. So we, I was excited to go. We, we parked. We walked up to the door 10 minutes after closing time. 10 minutes after closing him. I, so we, we, we try the door, the door's locked, and we see the person, you know, standing inside. They're counting the till. They're cleaning up. They're doing whatever. You know, they gave us a wave, and we kind of thought, oh, dang it. You know, I was disappointed, but just prepared to walk away and go on with the night. Well, all of a sudden, the person behind the counter did something unexpected. They ran out from behind the counter. They ran out and unlocked the door, and they said, hey, guys, just wanted to let you know we closed 10 minutes ago, we were prepared to just say, God bless you, have a good night. But then this person at the door did something I have not forgotten. This person said, well, we're just, we're just cleaning up. Like, do you guys want to come in? For a minute, I think we had explained I was from out of town or whatever. They were like, do you want to come in? And I'm like, sure, sure. For the next hour, I am not exaggerating. For the next hour, this employee spent time showing us around Nothing Bunt Cakes. They took us over to this place. They told us the history of Bunt Cakes as if I ever needed to know this piece of information in my life. They, they, they showed us how they're made. They took us to the back. They showed us the equipment. Uh, they took us around. They showed us all the flavors. And let's just say on that night, I ate more Bunt Cake than I expected to eat. I bought more than I expected to buy, and I left there with an experience um, that I've not forgotten. And here's the point. I walked out of that store that night thinking to myself, I don't know if that person was the owner, but it sure felt like they were. Like they carried this like pride about bunt cakes. And I think some of us need to be as committed about the things of God than this employee was about bunt cakes. I mean, you were in the presence of like a bunt cake evangelist that night. It was incredible. Well, it reminded me a week before we had been in, in um, Seattle. Uh, we live in that area. We'd been in Seattle. We had been out with friends and we were um, out for dinner and preparing to find a place to go out for dessert. I do promise you I do more than eat dessert in life. Um, but we were out for somebody's birthday. We were looking for a place to grab dessert. You know, we were looking through Yelp. We were trying to find some place that looked good. And we found a locally well-known um, place downtown Seattle. So we went, parked our car, walked across the crosswalk, heading toward this restaurant, this time, it was 10 minutes before closing time. 10 minutes before closing time. As we're crossing the crosswalk, not a word of a lie, the person standing at the front desk sees us coming, eyeballs us coming, walks up and locks the door, and then kind of goes and kind of starts getting things ready. This is 10 minutes before closing time. We walked up, tried the door. The door, of course, is locked. But this time, all we got from that employee was just one of those, and we were on our way. Here's my point talking to you about dessert on a Sunday morning. 
those two situations one week apart, my experience at those places uh, at the end of the day was not about the name on the door. It was not about the culture of the place. It was not about the, the quality of the dessert. It was not about the location. It was not about any of that. On those two days, I want you to think about it, two comparable situations here. On those days, my experience was entirely determined by the person at the door. The person at the door, one made my day, one never got to know my name. One person took time, they took care, they showed us around, they gave us an experience, the other one couldn't be bothered to stay late. They obviously had something to get to. My entire experience was determined by the person at the door. I just wonder if the psalmist here is on to something. When they wrote, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I want to show you today for just a minute. I want to show you how you are determining more about this church than you might realize. I want to show you that you're making a contribution to this house in ways that you probably don't realize. In church life, we put a lot of emphasis on what happens up here. And let me just say, this is an incredible honor to get to open the word of God with any group of Christ's followers is, is an incredible privilege, an incredible honor. I'm also, um, like your pastor, I have a musical background. I am a former worship leader. Uh, I got fired because I'm over, you know, 25 and, or something like that. You know, I kind of aged out. Some of you get that. I'm still rocking the skinny jeans. I'm never letting the skinny jeans go. I don't care styles going baggy. That's fine. Like millennials rock the skinny jeans. Somebody say amen on that. Like, so I, I, have ba- I, I love this. I love what happens. I love the chance to minister. But what I know is that when people come into church, what I know is their experience is being determined by more than just what's happening up here or what's happening back here. You know, what, what's happening in church life, the first people they're meeting are each of you. And they're, they're, they're experiencing your love and they're experiencing... Christ's love through you. They're experiencing your presence. And you are determining more about this house than you might realize. The psalmist is saying, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. If I know your pastors, I know that they um, really desire to see a team come together. It's teams that build the church. It's teams that welcome people far from God into new life in Jesus Christ. And I guess I just want to talk to us today for just a minute about a shift I think needs to happen in the church. If we're going to see God do all he wants to do in our churches, if we're going to build the kind of churches that honor God and that welcome people into his house and welcome people into the kingdom, if we're going to build the kind of house that has potency, the kind of house that reaches a city and impacts the world. Like if we're going to build that kind of church, I believe there's a DNA that has to live in this house. And I just want to talk to you about what that is, what I, a shift that I believe needs to happen in the church if we're going to see the house be all that it could be. So let's talk about doorkeepers. Doorkeepers, number one, if you want to take a note or two, doorkeepers shift from serving to owning. Doorkeepers shift from serving to owning. The lesson that I learned at the Bunt Cake Shop was one of ownership. Think about it. I don't know if I met the owner, but it sure felt like I did. It sure felt like I met someone who owned it because they, they carried a passion they carried a pride. They took time. 
They were willing to stay late and be inconvenient so that I could understand the beauty of what they were a part of. In our day of... Um, we're living in this day right now. It's been kind of dubbed the great resignation. People kind of have a lethargic view toward work. I've, I've, there's a recent term I've seen written about called quiet quitting, kind of the, the term of kind of doing the base at work and nothing more. You know, kind of working nine to five, leaving work at five, you know, you know and not touching it till the next day. Kind of this mo in work life of doing only what's required i just want to argue for a minute the kingdom of god is totally different than that i just want to remind you that the kingdom of god is actually built on sacrifice it's actually built on jesus teaching us about having an extra mile spirit and this is what great teams are great are made of great teams have shifted from simply showing up to serve to showing up to steward. Great teams have shifted from serving to owning. I mean, think about it. When you go to a restaurant, there's a difference between the servers and the owner. There's a difference. Servers clock in and clock out. The owner constantly carries the mandate of the vision because they're an owner. They don't leave it at five. They take it home with them. It lives with them. Why? Because they own it. A server focuses on a task. They focus on a job. They focus on something to do, but not an owner. An owner focuses on fruit and profit. In other words, an owner is constantly thinking, how do we move this thing forward? How do we, move, how do we reach more people? How do we serve more people? That's the way an owner thinks. Servers, how many of you have ever been at a restaurant and the owner comes by and fills up you know, your water glass or something? It's always an interesting experience. The server, come, I'm sorry, the owner comes by and fills up your water glass. Why do they do that? They have people to do that. They, they have employees to do that. Why would that owner do that. They, they aren't doing it because they're particularly passionate about water. They're doing it because your experience matters to them. They're doing it because they want you to leave satisfied, for you to leave a positive review on Yelp, and for you to go tell somebody, you've got to try this place sometime. And so if the forward movement of the business rests on this person's glass of water being full, then get me a towel and get me a pitcher and get me someone to serve. And if, if growing this business means filling up a glass of water, I'll fill up a whole bunch of glasses of water. Does that make sense to you? It's the spirit of an owner. How do we move this thing forward? And in the kingdom of God, I believe great teams are not just made up of, of people that show up on a Sunday morning and do a task. Show up on Sunday morning and play the keys. Show up on Sunday morning and run a soundboard. Show up on Sunday morning and, you know, turn on something for kids. No, no, no. Great teams have a totally different DNA. They're made up of a group of people that's saying, I love this house. I'm an owner of this house. I'm an owner of the mission of this house. And I will do anything today in order to see this house move forward, the vision of our church move forward. The spirit of an owner. Do you receive this today? Your great teams have shifted from serving to owning. Servers serve where they choose. Owners jump in wherever the house needs them. Early mentor of mine taught me this line I've never forgot. He said, the best gift I have is the gift that best serves. The best gift I have is the gift that best serves. Owners, or, or sorry, great teams have shifted from serving to owning. Number two, hope this is okay today. We're talking about doorkeepers. Number two, doorkeepers have an after you spirit. Doorkeepers, this is going to press on some of you. I'm sorry, not sorry about that today. Doorkeepers have an after you Spirit. What does that mean? I, we, we don't use this term doorkeepers a lot in our modern vernacular. 
It's not a, not a, a prominent role um, in our culture today. So what is a doorkeeper? Well, a doorkeeper is literally someone who stands at the door and welcomes people into the house. In other words, they determine, you know, who gets in and who stays out. They welcome people. And um, doorkeepers, I believe, have an after-you spirit. Here's what I mean by that. Doorkeepers live their life with a spirit of, I will go second so that you can go first. I will go second. I will stand here and hold the door so that you can go first. What does that mean? I believe that doorkeepers are committed to a life of sacrifice. Sacrificing for the things that they love the most after you, after you. You see, when we come to Christ and we come to church kind of in our earliest days, we often think about it in terms of what I'm going to get out of this. God, I come to you today because I need my healing. I'm coming to church today because I need a word. I need to feel the presence of God. And that's an okay place to start. That's a necessary place to start. But there's a point of graduation that happens on great teams where you're not just showing up to receive, you're showing up to serve. You're showing up to be inconvenienced so that someone else might know Jesus. It's actually a sign of maturity in our faith when you take on an after you spirit. In other words, if me getting up early and getting to church early and setting things up so that somebody else can meet Christ, then I'll set my alarm early every Sunday morning of the year. Like I'm willing. I'm willing to take on a spirit of inconvenience. I'm willing to take on a spirit of sacrifice. Like I'm willing for me to go second so that somebody else can meet Christ today. So that somebody else can receive the love of God. And I know that might sound like it's... <laughs> kind of presses on us a little bit in our American consumer mentality. I just want to offer you that thought. Doorkeepers have an after you spirit. There's going to be times in church life where building a great church is going to call all of us to go the extra mile. It's going to call all of us to give a little bit deeper, to sacrifice a little bit more, to build the house to see the church move forward. I just want to argue that's the spirit of a doorkeeper. Doorkeeper is willing to say, I'm, I'm willing to go second so that you can know Christ. And after you, spirit. Which leads me to my third thought. Doorkeepers realize their place is prominent even when they feel insignificant. Doorkeepers realize their place is prominent, even when they feel insignificant. When I sat down to research the idea of a doorkeeper, I'll be honest with you, because we don't use this term much, I couldn't figure out if it was a high position or a lowly position. I couldn't figure it out. Is this an important role or is it a grunt job? There was kind of arguments for both in what I read. And here was my takeaway from that. There are going to be times in building church where what you see, or I'm sorry, there are going to be times where what you do is seen, is recognized, is appreciated. There's going to be times where you receive the applause. There's going to be times where you receive the recognition. There's going to be times where you're celebrated, and that's awesome. But I've also come to know in church life that there are going to be times where what you do for the kingdom goes completely unseen, goes completely unnoticed. There's going to be times where you give and you serve. doesn't seem like anyone's really around for applause doesn't seem like anyone really notices. Times where you might feel prominent and times where you might feel insignificant. I just wanted to remind you today 
that in the kingdom and in the church, what you're doing to build church may go unseen by man, but it will never go unseen by God. That what you do to serve and what you do to build and what you do to go the extra mile, yeah, you may not receive the recognition here, but you could just be storing up for yourself the most important treasure, which is treasure in heaven. That our God is no man's debtor. He, he, he sees and he knows. And there might be times where um, you feel underappreciated. Man, through COVID, I was here. I served. I gave when it seemed like nobody else was serving and giving. And you know, I showed up. I was faithful at my post. I know we've all kind of been through a season, a real trying, shaking season in church life. I guess I just came and I feel this really strongly by the Spirit of God that even somebody needed to hear this today. That it may have gone unseen by man, but it's never been unseen by God. God sees, God knows, and he is no man's debtor. What you do for God, he will repay you, and he will bless you. And it may not come back in the same form, but I will promise you it will come back to you. And I believe that God takes care of people who build his house and who serve in his house. Amen? And so, so whether you, you know, in, in fact, maybe we, got, maybe we ought to be careful to not get so consumed with applause and appreciation that we end up missing the whole point of this thing. I decided a while back, I love, I love posting online. I love sharing our life online. God's been really good to our ministry. But I made a decision a while back that like over half of my life has to exist off social media. Like, like there, there's entire things we try to do for the kingdom that never see the light of social media. Why is that? I just don't want to get this thing so much about being seen by man that I forget that's not my real focus here. Like, I just want to be seen and known by God. I just want him to be pleased with me at the end of the day. I just want him to see me as his faithful servant at the end of the day. Amen? So, so you, you, might, you might feel like you've been faithful through setup and tear down. You might have been faithful with the kids. You might have been faithful to serve. Let me just say, keep going. Keep running. Keep building. Keep serving. It may have been a while since you received the applause. Today, just hear the, the, the pleasure of your Father in heaven. He's thankful for you. He's pleased with you. He loves you. He will sustain you. He will protect you. He will be with you when you prioritize his house. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Amen? Number four, I only got a couple more of these. I, th this is a fun one. Doorkeepers know the master's voice and speak the language of the house. Door, doorkeepers know the master's voice and speak the language of the house. So the primary role of a doorkeeper in first century culture, the primary role of a doorkeeper, think about this, was to determine access. They determined access to who got in and who stayed out. Who does the door get open to and who does the door stay shut for? In other words, at the master's request, this person gets in and this person stays out. In other words, this person was a guardian of the house, a protector of the house. No one gets in except by the master's permission. I want to make a case for just a minute that this role is so needed in church, that a doorkeeper has to stand guard for the house. Now, I'm not saying we need to be turning people away at the front doors. That's, that's not at all what I'm trying to say here. But I'll tell you what does try to get in that doesn't belong are divisive ideas ideologies that are not of God, that are not of the kingdom. And what I've learned is that doorkeepers have to learn how to protect the house, how to protect the unity of the house. That Jesus said that 
he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And I believe that. I believe God's church is advancing. God's church is moving forward. And our greatest threat is not what happens out there. Spoiler alert, we win at the end of the day. Like hell is no match for God's great advancing church. Jesus is building his church. I don't believe the greatest threat to the church is on the outside. You want to know what I believe it is? I believe the greatest threat to the church is on the inside. By way of divisive people, divisive ideas, things that come. In other words, I think the enemy knows if I can't beat the church from out there, I'm going to try to beat the church in here. I have seen more damage done to churches through people who weren't committed to the unity of the house and protecting the house, keeping the baby together. Doorkeepers, they know the master's voice, they speak the language of the house, and they protect the house. They guard the house against anything that would come to divide, anything that would come to tear apart what Jesus Christ is building up. I was at a church one time in Ohio. Again, one of my early ministry trips. I was at a church in Ohio, and um, great church. It was really starting to experience some life, and was really kind of hitting its stride. God was doing a great work in that church in that time. And uh, at the time, there was this intern serving at the church. Uh, her name was Lori, and Lori. Um, Loved God, but Lori is someone I would call barely saved. Does anybody know any barely saved people? Like, she loved God, totally on her way to heaven, but like her, her language was still kind of catching up with it. You know, her, her behavior is still kind of catching up with it. But man, she loved God. Like, no one, no one served like Lori. A little rough around the edges, but no one served like Lori. And so uh, the pastor was away. And let's just say my presence at this church was not welcomed by some of the old guard at the church that kind of wanted to keep things how they were. And I was really calling the church to move forward. And so there was a little contingency that was not happy about seeing the church move forward. And uh, so anyways, it was the second service and Lori's running around ushering, doing what she did on a Sunday. Well, as the service is going on, she walks out to the lobby of the church, out to kind of the coffee area. And this little group had gathered. This little group had, was starting to talk about like all the things they didn't like about the church, all the things they didn't like about the pastor, you know, and where things were going wrong. And Lori finds out about it. She comes up to him and goes, hey guys, what, what are you doing? What's going on here? And they said to her, you know, can't you see? Haven't you seen? You know, the church is going in this new direction. And, you know, it's all about new people coming in. And, you know, and just, just speaking really divisively toward the vision God had put in the pastor's heart. Well, Lori, being barely saved that she was, Lori looks at them uh, Love the house so much. Lori looks at them, and I, of course, I can't repeat exactly what Lori said to them because of Lori's language. Uh, but Lori looks at them, and she says, oh, no, not in this house. Get out. <laughs> These are like board members, by the way, of the church. Oh, no, <laughs> not in this house. Get out. Lori proceeded to walk them out to the parking lot. And stood there while they left the parking lot. I kind of like to imagine, you know, Lori kind of kicked up some dust, you know, as they, were, as they were driving out, you know. Not in this house. And I believe when it comes to things and ideas and people that seek to divide God's house, anything that serves as a crack in the unity of this house. Come on, doorkeepers. I believe there's something that has to rise up in doorkeepers where we say, oh no, not in this house. Like we close the door today to division. We close the door today to strife. We close the door to things that seek to divide what Jesus is building up. Come on, that's the spirit of a doorkeeper. Let me just say this. 
I haven't stayed planted in the same church for 40 years because my church is perfect. Is that okay to say? I haven't stayed planted in the same church for 40 years because my pastor's perfect, because we do everything right, because I've agreed with every decision. If that was the criteria for my involvement, I would have been gone a long time ago. I stayed planted, number one, because God assigned me, because I feel it would be disobedient from God if I went anywhere else. But secondly, I stayed planted because sometimes, um, sometimes we get in the misnomer that the grass is greener somewhere else. And I just wanted to remind you that, that every church has its stuff. Every church has its imperfections. Our job is not to walk around being the church police. You know, walk around picking apart the vision and the this and the that. I think what builds churches are groups of people that come together and they say not in this house to anything that would come and divide what Jesus Christ is building up. And I guess I just, I, I've gone the distance with my church because I decided that the unity of our house was more important than anything else. That I was going to focus on what unites us and not what divides us that I was going to focus on building rather than tearing down. And you know what I have found, guys? It's incredible. What I have found after a lifetime of doing that is, guess what? Jesus is my defender. And Jesus is the real builder of the church. And I have found that in time, Jesus takes care of all that stuff. Sometimes we worry about things that are so little and so petty. And I've just found that Jesus takes care of it. He fills in the gaps. But you know what he can use is a team of people that are together in unity. Where there is unity, the psalmist said, there God commands blessing. How many of you want to see God command a blessing on One Seed Church? Like, like to live under a commanded blessing from heaven on this house. It comes when brothers dwell together. In unity. Come on, doorkeepers, not in this house. Not in this house to division, to strife, and things that would tear us down. Okay, let's, let's land the plane today. Worship team can come and play me off like the Oscars, and it'll all be good today. Has this been helpful? Has this been encouraging to you today? I, I hope that you're walking away from this more than ever. You just want to see Jesus do everything he can do in this city. But I want to close with this one. Doorkeepers have a whatever-it-takes spirit. Doorkeepers have a whatever-it-takes spirit. I'll close with 1 Samuel 14. We're not going to read it all. 1 Samuel 14. It's a story of Jonathan and his armor-bearer. Jonathan, of course, is the king's son. And so you could say he's a prince in the land. He's a, he's a high-profile leadership figure here. And alongside him in this account is his armor bearer. We don't know the armor bearer's name. We don't know who he was. History records him solely by the man that he served. Think about that. He lost his identity behind the person he was serving because doorkeepers are prominent even when they feel insignificant. So you have this incredible account here of Jonathan, the prince of the land, and this unnamed, unknown armor bearer. And it says in 1 Samuel 14 that on this day, Jonathan goes to his armor bearer with an incredible um, call, the impossible task. He goes to him and said, let's you and I go to the other side and take on an entire Philistine outpost. Now, we are so tempted in church. We are so tempted to sanitize the gospel like it's a VeggieTales story or a cartoon or something. Guys, this really happened like this, that's the point you have to come to in your faith, that this, this stuff really happened. This is, you know, not just a cute veggie tales story. Think about this. This is the prince of the land proposing to you 
that you and him are going to go over and take on an entire hostile Middle East outpost with Middle East, a Middle East army there that does not like you and opposes the God that you represent. So I just want context here. This was a pretty impossible task. Two of them going over and taking on an outpost that could have had dozens or hundreds of hostile warriors. This is your leader saying, let's go take on ISIS. Let's go, let, let's go take them on. And then he proposes that they take the route with a cliff on both sides. Okay, Missouri, I don't know if you have mountains anywhere near here. I live near mountains. And let me just say to you, the route with a cliff on both sides does not sound like the appealing route here. <laughs> it does not sound like the easy route here. So you have the prince of the land looking at his unnamed, unknown to us armor bearer. He pitches the impossible task. He pitches the difficult way to get there. And then, maybe, maybe my favorite scripture in all of the Old Testament. Then Jonathan pitches to his armor. He says, armor he says this, perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. <laughs> perhaps the Lord <laughs> will work on our behalf. I don't know about you, but if I'm the armor bearer, I have questions at this moment. How strong is this perhaps? <laughs> How <laughs> are you a good 80? Like, because if we go down, I'm losing my life in this thing. Like, if we go down, I'm not escaping this battle. So tell me where you're at on perhaps here. Perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. He does go on to say nothing can hinder the Lord by saving or from saving. Pastor, I want to ask you a question. Does this not describe being a pastor, having to get up and communicate vision, the impossible task, <laughs> the difficult way to get there? I think God's in this. You know, like, I'm a good 80 <laughs> on a good day. I think we're supposed to build a building. I think we're supposed to do this. I think we're supposed to be here in this community. I, I feel it. I know it feels big. I know it feels tough. The impossible task. The difficult way to get there. The armor bearer saying yes, by the way, he would be saying yes to a life or death mission. He would be going all in. And there are times in our church it's felt like that. Let's start a new location. Let's start a new outreach. Let's start... The miracle comes in verse 7. In the face of all of that, the armor bearer looks at Jonathan and says these words, Go, do all that's in your heart. I am with you, heart and soul. Do you hear it? Go, do all that's in your heart. I am with you, on heart and soul. And on that day, God brought about a great victory. Two men took on and defeated an entire hostile Philistine outpost. Of course, by the power of God. But you know what I believe? I believe it was the alignment of the armor bearer that attracted the blessing of heaven. I believe it was the spirit of the armor bearer saying, go. Do all that's in your heart. Pastor, go. Do all that's in your heart. Come on, I'm a doorkeeper. I am with you, heart and soul. I believe that is the essence of what builds a church. Jesus, I thank you for One Seed Church today. I thank you for this incredible, fresh, new work. This church that you have birthed. Thank you, Father, for the work you've begun. And I thank you, Jesus, that what you have started, you will finish. I thank you, Jesus, that you will be faithful to complete it. I ask today, Father, that you would birth in this house, Father, the spirit of the doorkeeper, the spirit of the armor bearer, the team member that looks at their pastor and says, go, do all that's in your heart. I'm with you, heart 
and soul. As we align, as we come together, as we build the unity of this house, Jesus, I pray that you would command a blessing on this house. I ask, Jesus, that one seed church would live under the commanded blessing of heaven. I ask, Father, that our unity and our alignment, Father, and our sacrifice and our service and our ownership, Jesus, I ask that it would make a way for you to do what only you can do. Your kingdom come in this house, Father. Your will be done, Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven. And like we said when we started, we will be so careful, Jesus, to give you all the glory. We will be so careful, Jesus, to give you all the praise. Because this is not about us. This is about you. People don't, know, don't need to meet us. They need to meet you. And Father, while there's one person that remains in this community that doesn't know you, Father, we will be diligent. And we will be faithful. And we will be committed. Father, if it means hard work, sign us up. Roll up our sleeves. Like we're committed. We're in, Jesus. To see your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your church move forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen.